section eighteen of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter fifteen part two night encampment visit of a puma a chase scenery of the river birds and monkeys voyage continued an unpleasant bed on an ant-hill approaching the enemy a sad accident alarm the captain attempts to rescue the drowning men does not return no sooner had night closed down on the camp than cries of all descriptions came forth from the forest the croaking of frogs the chirping of crickets the howling of monkeys mingled with strange groans and shrieks which made the seamen draw closer together some even among the stoutest hearted declaring that without doubt the place was haunted while many a brave tar cast a glance over his shoulder expecting to see some fierce creature stalk out from among the trees at last captain hemming gave the order for all hands to turn in with such shelter as they had provided and to get some sleep to prepare themselves for the work of the next day some went on board the boats hoping to be free of the bites of the mosquitoes though hopeless were their efforts to escape from their tormentors the three lieutenants seated themselves side by side while their young relatives the three midshipmen had collected not far off well i suppose we must go to sleep said tom rogers stretching himself out he had rolled up his flushing coat to serve as a pillow and prepared to enjoy as much comfort as circumstances would allow faith we have music at all events to lull us to sleep exclaimed gerald desmond but i wish those beasts would put a stopper to their singing though they may sing as long as they like provided they don't bite remarked gordon following his companion's example in a short time the whole camp was at rest with the exception of the few sentries the only sounds being the mysterious ones which came at intervals from the forest and the loud snoring of some of the soldiers and seamen the fire still kept blazing casting a lurid glare over the foaming waters as they rushed past on the tall trees of the dark forest on the other side and on the figures of the officers and men stretched in various attitudes on the ground tom rogers suddenly awoke a mosquito had fixed its sharp proboscis in his nose he had dreamed that a serpent had got hold of it starting up he saw between the trees near which he and his companions lay a pair of bright eyes glaring at him they were contained in the head of a creature which appeared crouching down as if about to make a spring towards him he knew it at once to be a puma the so-called lion of south america leaping to his feet he shouted to his companions to be on their guard the next instant it seemed that the animal would be upon them his voice awoke the lieutenants and the other officers who had been sleeping near at hand and quickly brought a sentry to the spot the man catching sight of the puma fired his musket 
the report of course aroused the whole camp a lion a lion shouted several voices and in an instant the greater part of the blue jackets were in hot chase after the animal which of course rapidly bounded away far out of sight they would have quickly lost themselves in the forest had not the captain and officers called them back and ordered them to lie down and go to sleep again the sentries were in consequence of the visit they had received doubled and cautioned to keep a better lookout not only for human foes but for any of the savage denizens of the forest which might attempt to pay them another visit at early dawn the camp was again astir and as tom and the other midshipmen opened their eyes they saw grinning at them from among the branches a number of little hairy faces chattering and grinning they belonged to troops of monkeys who had come attracted by curiosity to look at the strangers invading their domains as soon however as the men began to move about they took fright and scrambled off to a safer distance just then loud caws were heard and several flights of magnificent coloured macaws flew across the stream cocoa and other beverages having been served out and rapidly swallowed the party embarked and once more the toils of the day began it was harder work than ever the boats had frequently to pass right up rapids and among rocks and sand-banks thus it was only by the greatest exertion that the heavier boats could be forced along except that the toil was greater and the heat more intense there was but little variation from the events of the preceding day whenever they neared the banks troops of monkeys appeared in the branches of the lofty trees chattering and shaking their heads or screaming in anger at this invasion of their territory flights of macaws and other birds of gorgeous plumage flew overhead generally in pairs and here and there perched on the lower branches were seen huge white ducks which nodded their heads and gabbled as the boats passed slowly by them among the monkeys of which various species were seen were several little congo apes who in their anger attempted to roar like lions affording infinite amusement to the crews i say patty cried tom rogers to desmond their boats being at that time close to each other we must catch one of those fellows he would make a good playmate to spider i suspect that old scrofton will declare that he is an embryo lion i wonder how many thousand years it will take before he will turn into one nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine young gentlemen cried the boatswain who was in charge of one of the launches with troops and being at the time close astern overheard the question in my opinion how some it doesn't take half the time for a spider tail to turn into a powder monkey but i'll see what my book says about it when we get back to the ship there was of course a general laugh among the boat's crews jack did not think it necessary to interfere though he suspected that had they not been on duty the boatswain would have used the word midshipman in lieu of powder monkey every now and then the boats grated against a snag which reminded them of the danger which they would have to encounter when returning the rocks and snags could not as they were then steering do them much injury but it would be a very different matter when coming down even the gig's crews found it trying work at best sometimes it appeared as if it would be impossible to get up 
the heavier boats unless they could be warped still by the determination and perseverance of the crews all difficulties were overcome and after an hour's rest for dinner under the shade of the trees they pulled on again much in the same fashion till near nightfall they then landed at a deserted clearing and congratulated themselves at finding a place so well suited for their encampment as they were getting nearer the territory of the enemy sentries were placed at the edge of the forest and cautioned to be vigilant to prevent a surprise jack and terence who had landed with their fowling pieces were fortunate in shooting a capybora a rodent animal as large as a middling-sized pig soon afterwards they knocked over a couple of little peccaries which furnished a welcome addition to the supper to all hands the officers and men collected as before round their respective fires the mosquitoes were somewhat less troublesome or perhaps the people were more inured to their attacks it was however necessary to sit within the limits of the clouds of smoke to enjoy any comfort songs were sung stories told and all hands were apparently enjoying themselves mr wilmot made himself very agreeable and his companion became a great favourite from his fund of humour and his frank and unassuming manners do you really think that this colonel and his men will give us anything to do asked jack of mr wilmot the fellows are ferocious enough when they fight among themselves and brave as such fellows generally are though they would not venture to resist us with double our forces if they were on equal terms but if they thought that they could take us at an advantage they would probably hold out and afford us some trouble answered the consul i some time ago visited the fort of serapaqui in which the colonel and his troops were posted and it is a remarkably strong place standing on a point of land about fifty feet in height which projects directly into the river while behind the fort is a dense forest which completely defends the rear in front is an abatis formed of large trees with their trunks fixed in the ground and their branches projecting into the river so that it would be impossible for boats to reach the bank or for men to land exposed to fire the defences of the fort consist of six angular stockaded entrenchments formed of exceedingly hard wood they are eight feet high and four feet thick one side of each stockade looking towards the river and the other down the reach the only landing-place is commanded by the principal stockade and guns have also been placed on it this landing-place you will understand is above the stockades and as the current there runs nearly five knots an hour we shall have to pass the stockades exposed all the time to the fire from the batteries before we can descend to the landing-place the reach at the head of which the fort is situated is about a mile and a half long while the forest comes down on either side close to the water and affords an almost impenetrable shelter to a concealed foe i tell you this that you may know what we have to encounter but at the same time i am sure that the gallantry of british officers and men will overcome difficulties of far greater magnitude why i wished to accompany you was that i might render all the services in my power captain hemming thanked the consul for his bold determination adding i trust that we shall not disappoint you mr wilmot 
and that you will live to share such laurels as we may gain i hope so too captain but i do not shut my eyes to the dangers which we may have to meet was the answer that consul is a brave fellow whispered tom to archy i look upon those as the bravest who know the full extent of the danger they may have to encounter and with calm determination go into it mr wilmot had an awning rigged to his boat and had brought mattresses and pillows so that he and his friend made it their sleeping-place the other boats contained also a few occupants but the larger number of the party preferred sleeping on shore where they could stretch their limbs they having discovered that the mosquitoes annoyed them as much on board the boats as on the banks of the river tom and his companions had noticed a mound of no great height at a little distance from their camp-fire and they agreed that the ground at its base would afford them a comfortable sleeping-place as soon therefore as the order was given to cease talking and singing and go to sleep they carried their coats and blankets to the spot and rolled themselves up expecting to pass a quiet night as they could not be overheard they talked on for some time as midshipmen are accustomed to do under similar circumstances then first one and then the other began to feel drowsy and lying down forgot all sublunary matters tom had not however been long asleep before he dreamed that he was attacked by a host of stag beetles assailing every part of his body and that though he slashed at them with his cutlass they came on in greater numbers than ever till he felt ready to turn tail and bolt suddenly he awoke and finding that the sensation he had experienced in his dreams were a dreadful reality began to jump and beat himself furiously his companions just then started up from the same cause and also began jumping twisting turning and striking their bodies and legs with their hands as if they had gone mad i'll be eaten up entirely if i don't get rid of these beasts exclaimed paddy desmond jumping and beating himself more violently than before their cries awoke their nearest neighbours while the sentries rushed forward expecting to find that a band of indians had secretly introduced themselves into the camp jack and terence were really alarmed believing that the youngsters had been bitten by a snake or attacked by another puma nothing however could be found on them till some brands brought from the fire threw a light on the subject when it was discovered that they had chosen the neighbourhood of a nest of ants of a species addicted to nocturnal rambles when they first lay down the ants were quiet in their abode and remained so till their usual time for sallying forth in search of prey the first objects they had met with were the bodies of the three midshipmen on whom they would have undoubtedly feasted till they had consumed them to their bones had not their sharp pincers aroused their victims the midshipmen found it no easy job to rid themselves of the fearful little pests even with the assistance of their friends and they had literally to strip off their clothes and capture each creature singly and throw it into the fire before they were got rid of one of the surgeons taking compassion on them produced some ointment which allayed the irritation from which they were suffering they were not the only people whom the ants had attacked and complaints piteous and loud came from all parts of the camp of the attacks made by the fiery little pests many of the men however appeared bite-proof and only growled and swore at having their slumbers disturbed 
we have however learnt a lesson and i vote that in future we look out for ants nests before settling on our camping-ground observed archie gordon with his usual gravity as they once more lay down on the other side of the fire at a respectful distance from their former resting-place i'd sooner face an electric eel or a boa constrictor than an army of those diabolical little pests exclaimed desmond who had suffered even more than his companions you may tackle them but i defy any one except perhaps spider to defeat their attacks and he would have to keep his paws pretty active to catch them i wish that we had him with us groaned tom i am still itching and smarting all over and they are at me again i am sure of it a big ant-eater would help us more effectually observed gordon he is a curious creature with a thick bushy tail and a pointed snout in which he has a long tongue to enable him to lick up an army of ants and swallow them down at a gulp i wonder that the ants are such fools as to come out of their castles then remarked desmond the ant-eater does not wait for them to do that for he has got powerful claws with which he pulls down their castles and when they come out to repair the breaches he sticks out his tongue and captures a whole army at once answered gordon faith then i wish that we could have a few such creatures to inspect our camp in future before we lie down to rest said desmond silence there you youngsters cried an officer if you can't go to sleep take a round turn of your tongues the hint was not neglected and notwithstanding the irritation they were suffering the midshipmen were very soon snoozing away as soundly as any one every night similar scenes occurred and during the day except when stopping for dinner the boat's crews pulled on with as much vigour and resolution as at first at length after a pull of not less than seventy-two hours the boat's crews had the satisfaction of hearing that they were only two or three miles from the fort in which the nicaraguan forces were posted a somewhat limited space only could be found on the shore for their encampment so that a greater number than usual took up their quarters in the boats as may be supposed a careful search was made for ants nests rattlesnakes holes and the abodes of any other creatures likely to disturb them a larger number of sentries than usual were also posted round the camp and directed to keep a vigilant watch while one of the gigs under charge of higson with needham as coxswain was sent on some way ahead to keep a lookout for the enemy should they take it into their heads to descend the stream and make a night attack on the camp a pleasant supper was made on shore though singing and loud talking were forbidden lest any stragglers from the fort might hear them and give notice of their approach the thick forest however effectually screened their fires and the smoke could not be seen at night mr wilmot spoke hopefully of the work before them he had little doubt that the nicaraguan commander would yield immediately he saw the force brought against him though he probably at present did not believe that such heavy boats as theirs could be forced up the stream mr halliday was more silent than was his wont some of his friends inquired what was the matter i felt the heat very great during the day he answered but i dare say that when our work is accomplished and we are pulling down the stream i shall recover my spirits mr wilmot had kindly invited the three midshipmen to take up their quarters on board his boat having fitted up a place amidships for them here at all events they might be free from the ants and as to the mosquitoes they were nearly inured to them 
at an earlier hour the usual all hands not on the watch went to sleep with the exception of those in mr wilmot's boat he and his friends sat up some time talking together but what they said neither tom nor his companions could hear as they themselves were soon lulled to sleep by the loud rushing of the strong current which swept by the boat tom was suddenly awakened by a loud cry and an exclamation from mr wilmot where is halliday and the next instant he exclaimed good heavens he is overboard i must save him and before he could have had time for thought he himself plunged into the boiling waters and swam towards his friend who was being carried rapidly down by the current the midshipman being aroused tom who saw what had happened was about to plunge into the stream to try and assist the consul when gordon more prudent held him back exclaiming you will be drowned my dear fellow if you do tom had happily thus more time than mr wilmot had taken to reflect on the fearful danger he would run their cries awoke captain hemming who immediately arousing his men slipped his cable and pulled down the river in the hope of rescuing his drowning friends the whole camp and those in the boats were now awake and on learning what had happened looked anxiously out for the return of the captain's gig the only hope being that he might discover and pick up the two gentlemen before the waters had overwhelmed them the time went by and every one felt that their gallant leader and his crew were running great danger in venturing down the stream at night several of the officers indeed expressed their fears that his boat might strike against a snag or be dashed on the rocks and all on board lose their lives among those on shore several endeavoured to make their way along the bank but were soon stopped by the impenetrable jungle and compelled to return no other boat could venture this to slip her moorings adair had command of the sternmost one of the squadron his old shipmate ben snatchblock who was with him roused by the shouts of those ahead as he sprung up caught sight of a person rapidly carried astern of the boat i'll try and save him whoever he is he exclaimed and before adair could warn him of his danger he plunged overboard into the boiling water though a powerful man and a bold swimmer he in vain attempted to overtake the person he had seen passing and struggling for life whoever it might be it was the same to him on he went and just as he fancied that he was about to succeed the person he had gone to save sank drawn down by an eddy which very nearly sucked him also into its vortex he's gone poor fellow he's gone his voice was heard exclaiming though he could not be seen directly afterwards the captain's gig passed adair's boat she was also soon lost to sight adair hailed and told them to look out for ben but whether or no they had succeeded in picking up the gallant fellow he could not tell and with the rest was long left in doubt as to what had happened the accident had caused all caution to be forgotten and murray and the other officers expected that their cries and shouts must have been heard by any scouts which might have been sent out from the fort he therefore warned the sentries to be on the alert and ordered the men to keep their arms ready for immediate action the unaccountable and sad accident threw a gloom over the spirits both of officers and men and but few went again to sleep during the remainder of the night the next day they would probably be engaged with the enemy and who could tell whose fate it might be to fall to pass slowly up against the rapid stream with both its banks affording an almost impenetrable shelter to a concealed foe was likely to cost them many lives and from the account they had heard of the strong position of the fort they were aware that it would give them severe work to capture
still it was to be done and no one doubted that it would be done whatever might be the sacrifice the more reflective had their minds fully occupied and all were in a state of anxiety on account of their captain and the persons he had risked his own safety to rescue from destruction adair who heard what ben had cried out had little hopes that he would succeed and was afraid also that his old shipmate had lost his life at dawn murray had all hands roused up that they might get ready to start should the captain unfortunately have lost his life the command would devolve on him and he resolved to do his best to secure the success of the expedition End of chapter fifteen